0: Remember, as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode.
1: Greetings, listeners this is kim selby the san francisco editor of the three tomatoes newsletter and your host for today's happy hour podcast so cheers so anyone out there attached to their devices these days Hmm? anyone anyone well i know me too so today this is going to be fun my guest is doreen Dodgin mcgee who is a speaker author and psychologist and she has a book titled Deviced, Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital World. Digital, said that right. And, uh, well, we sure need this conversation more now than ever. So let's find out how technology is impacting our mental health. Welcome, Doreen.
0: Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so deeply honored to be with you today.
1: Well, I think we are the ones who are very fortunate and... When I looked at all of uh, the past interviews that you have had and I've read about you, I thought, hmm, she was not anticipating what is happening now, right? And I mean, you probably were, but, but not the fact that we are so reliant on technology, especially now during this horrible uh, COVID-19. Talk to me a little bit about actually before we get into today, about what started you on your path to the discovery of the impact of technology and on devices and on our mental health.
0: Great question. So when my kids were middle school age, which is about 15 years ago flip phones were just beginning to enter the picture and I was a psychologist I believe very firmly in the research that shows that our brains and bodies and relationships develop most heartily within the context of human interaction and uh, relationships and so I was watching these little devices begin to kind of hijack social interaction and peer connection between uh, these middle schoolers who we know are in the earliest stages of developing one of the most important regions of their brain, the prefrontal cortex. And I just began to think this is interesting at the same time my husband was working in high tech or and still does and was working with some of the folks who were developing the chip for the first iphone and so it was very clear that things were going to become much more stimulating and enticing about these little devices than just the flip phones were so i decided you know i'm going to dig into this early on and uh, started really following the peer-reviewed research as well as tech trends to just begin to think about and and pay attention you know, from the start, before things really changed, to see how things changed, and it has turned out to be quite an interesting ride.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting because I certainly, I think our kids about the same age. Because I remember flip phones; I had a pink mm-hmm. one myself. Yeah, I, being of the non-technological, non-psychological, <laughs> I, I didn't think a thing about it. My husband's in tech too, so I mean, I mm-hmm. he also. You know, so we always had like sort of the newest and whatever, the new iPhone Mm -hmm. came out that we had and same with our computers, but I never thought a thing about it. So when you first started, what, what was, what did you find out? Like, I mean, obviously it's changed. I I read on your website that 11 or some article that you were mentioned in, or you wrote 11 hours a day. It's got to be a lot more now.
0: Right. yes yeah, so pre pandemic the the good longitudinal studies that eleven hours is actually a kind of a Uh, midway point it's an average some of the longitudinal studies say that pre-pandemic we were spending 10 and a half hours a day with screens others say 12 and a half hours a day with screens and the way that we get to that statistic in the research is that if you are multitasking which a bulk of americans multitask with tech so you've got your you're texting on your phone while you're working on a report on your computer or you're watching something on your flat screen while you're texting from your tablet if you do that use multiple devices for one hour they count that as two hours because the, li- the load on the brain and the body is so intense that we can 't just say multiple use is the same as single use uh-huh. so if guilty. you think about
1: guilty I would yeah. Uh-huh. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you think about it, if that was the statistic pre pandemic, it has got to have gone up, and there are some early um, suggestions that our usage globally has gone up about 76%. Um, so now we're talking about, you know, if we do what what is responsible and control for multi-use, we're talking about more than 24 hours a day. <laughs> and- And so this is, it's really taking a a toll, even if people are not aware of it. And I think people are becoming more aware of kind of the, the way in which that ambient sense of potentiality that exists in our devices is kind of wearing us thin a little bit right now.
1: Well, it is. And yet, what would we do without, I mean, you talk a lot about, and I'm a big believer in in human connection and touch and, you know, senses and everything, except what will we do without it right now? I mean, I need right. it. My daughter lives in England. I have to have, you know, Zoom and FaceTime and WhatsApp. I have to.
0: Right. And I agree. I think that this is one of those times where it's really hard sometimes to be totally honest to not say, I told you so. <laughs> Right now, because I am a big believer in moderation. I'm not anti-tech at all. I think it is an amazing, amazing um, resource for us. And it offers us potential and opportunities that we would never have without it. And at the same time, I'm very aware that there is a cost when we rely on it too heavily or we excessively use it. And right now it is really tricky to figure out because without it, we can't get some of our basic needs met. And yet with it, uh, even if we spend our whole day with it, we will never be able to get touch through it. We will never be able to get um, an enhancement of our ability to care for ourselves, in this bag of skin that we live in. And so there is a great need for both, I think.
1: Yeah, I, and I, what you said is moderation. And and this is, oh, it's so frightening. Oh, because what do you think? Well, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, because part of them, I want everybody to learn about the causes of anxiety and alienation that comes from using our devices. And then my other question is what you think, of course, well, I have so many questions. As I said, what you think the future is going to hold, are we going to be more reliant or are we going, I mean, nobody knows. So I'm asking speculation. Are we going to be more reliant? Or are we going to appreciate, I'm hoping for the latter, uh, touch and being, seeing a human face. I am so ready to, not have another Zoom call, and yet I'm creating a class myself to be held on Zoom. So I go both ways. Right, let, talk right. to us first about, about the consequences of too much okay. Zoom time.
0: Yeah, so there are four major findings if we really work to to kind of categorize them of, of how technology is impacting us. The first is it's, it is having a profound impact on our physiology. There are things like our eyes and our posture that are impacted. But to, to my mind, one of the more important things is it is changing the way in which the brain is wired. And our brain works on the idea of wherever it fires, it will wire. So whatever we expose our brain to in terms of stimulus it will wire the capacity to work with that or tolerate it or encode it and so one of the biggest things that I'm talking about and thinking about now is that we really don't expose our brain to the opportunity uh, to be bored and there and out of boredom grows a lot of creativity a lot of grit a lot of resilience and so we're really missing some opportunities to wire our brain in that in that one way, also in the way of focus and the ability to regulate our emotions in our body. So the brain is the first. Second is that the scaffolding upon which we build our relationships is very different now, as is the way in which we relate to each other. We relate to each other, um, sometimes largely via data. So we look at the data of someone's social media presence and assume that that reflects who they are, rather than actually you know encountering each other in these kind of authentic real-time ways. Yeah. The third way is that it's changing the way that we relate to our very selves. We are less likely now to work from what I call, and psychologists call, an internal locus of control, which means we can regulate our own feelings, we can calm ourselves down, we can stop behaviors if they aren't working <laughs> that we've started, um, and we have less tendency to do that now because we are so reliant on external sources of validation, reinforcement, entertainment, soothing, and there is a real psychological cost to that. And then the fourth major category is just our sense of embodiment. And this one is really huge right now. Um, that At the end of the day, regardless of how much tech we use and how much we love it, like I said before, we have to find a way of getting ourselves to rest and sleep and eat. <laughs> and um, as more and more of our experiences happen in these flat screen-based spaces, we are just less likely to be really healthfully in touch with our bodies and to have meaningful experiences in them.
1: You know, I think that's really value, that meaningful experiences, because I totally understand it. And since my son moved home, my grown son, uh, during mm-hmm. pandemic life, I have made us, oh, my husband and I were guilty of eating in front of the TV. You know, I know that's bad. Mm-hmm. And I have mm-hmm. made us sit, you know, and eat dinner together without devices and without screens. And I can't tell you, it's taken a long time. I mean, however long we've been in this, six weeks. But for us, it's taken a while to learn how to reconverse.
0: Yes. Isn't that interesting, even in this short time, that you notice that? That's profound.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really, I noticed that over the past few nights, we've actually been um, having a little bit deeper conversations. We certainly don't have anything to talk about. We know what we did all day, you know? Right.
0: (laughs) Well, and what, you, what you're what you pointing out is a really, that's actually really interestingly connected to the research, which shows that the, the places that those hours that we spend with tech comes from, it's not like we just got extra hours in our day, but it comes from family talk time, which is what you're talking about, which is a crucial part of psychological development and health. And if you, you know, you're no longer living with a family, that means maybe your community of people or your social support, but time where we literally learn to kind of tolerate space where we talk about nothing or something or, you know, but we, so it comes from family talk time, social practice, which is also that practice of sitting with people and living through awkward silences and finding out we can actually do it. And then from sleep and physical activity. So your, your finding actually is really an interesting kind of um, convergence with research.
1: Oh, good. Well, that's good to know because you know, I mentioned I have no training in psychology whatsoever. (laughs) Psych one hundred and one, you know. (laughs) But I find it really fascinating. The other thing I find interesting, and I, I mean, obviously I could just surmise this without knowing it because I also feel how important exercise is, and I find that mm, I made myself go on a Probably five mile walk without listening to a podcast,
0: (laughs) Mm, and that's unusual for you. Yes, Uh (laughs) that's great. That's exactly what we need. Is we need to be able to some of the time be willing to be inconvenienced or uncomfortable or somewhat bored in order to literally push wiring and encourage wiring in the part of our brain that will lead us to feel more content in life. So, So, way to go.
1: I like that. So that's a really important thing you just said to help us feel more content in life. So let's talk a little bit about that because I just did it because I I am so reliant on, you know, entertain me, entertain me. We are Mm -hmm. afraid of being by ourselves. We are afraid of our own thoughts. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely. Afraid and, and, um, Even if we don't register or can't name that fear, we are definitely uncomfortable with our own thoughts. And it feels familiar, I mean, unfamiliar. And when when we as Westerners feel uh, discomfort, we tend to look for something to distract us from it. So then we just add more noise or add more stimulation rather than actually pushing ourselves to do that work of kind of settling into the space that will eventually really, really become meaningful and and healthful
1: you know, I think we were fortunate to grow up, uh, in a time where we did not have those distractions. And if you had to sit in a doctor's office, you thumbed through a magazine, or if you had time, you picked up what used to be called books, you know, remember, (laughs) um, I love books, but I'm addicted to my Kindle now. It's easier. You know, I still read, but I scroll. I found myself looking at something the other day on a, a piece of paper, and I found my fingers start to scroll instead of turn the page. Ah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> <a> horrible, horrible.
0: <laughs> that is a really, really, um, I think, universal experience, though, that is just also a wake-up call to all of us, like, oh, hmm, maybe we should periodically pick up a paper book.
1: <laughs> well, I think there is, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there is a certain portion of the population meaning over maybe 40 who will understand what you're talking about and maybe take heart and perhaps have you know follow some suggestions you're going to give us but I do think that you know my kids in their late 20s I don't think they're going to listen to me when I tell them this
0: right it is it's interesting because there are um there I think part of it is and I don't I don't know your family so I don't know if this is you know fits there or not but there are certainly trends globally where folks who may benefit most from this information, who use the most technology, are resistant to listen to those of us who um, are not in their age demographic because our age demographic has talked so horribly about them and their tech use with zero understanding and empathy and 100% shame. And so in some way, whenever I talk with young adults, I literally start by getting on my knees asking for their forgiveness on behalf of my generation which has handed them this gorgeous thing and then talked smack about them for using it Um, and so I do find when I do connect with them they are hungry for this information because so frequently these folks not only do they have a natural proclivity to tend toward the digital but oftentimes they're um, educational settings, their vocational settings require them to be available 24-7 on it. So they're really in a catch-22, and they don't know how to step aside or step back, but they crave it. I don't, I don't, do you sense that with your kids? Yeah, your... Absolutely.
1: I mean, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. My daughter mm-hmm. is a yoga instructor in the UK, and she is very mindful. So uh, she and her partner, you know, make specific times to turn off technology. My son, however, is an artist and he Mm. has now discovered the iPad for, well, we gave him one (laughs) for uh, (laughs) creating art and, you know, good, bad, right? Right.
0: Right. It's, it's, isn't it? It's just so hard. Everything about this issue is complex. And the thing that I find is that humans don't always love complexity. <laughs> so we join you know, we gravitate toward the easiest thing, which is either full full adoption and consumption or denial about it and shaming. And it's really hard to find the middle ground.
1: Which I think is important. I do. And that's why I've been encouraging so it's interesting because in um so we're pre-pandemic, we are not post-pandemic, we are now pandemic land. Uh, it's right. giving us the opportunity well, some of us, to work with our families and find other outlets and opportunities. However, what about those with young kids who are learning via Zoom and learning, uh, and these parents who have to work full time and take care of their kids? I can imagine, only imagine, you know, here's the iPad. You watch a movie while a mommy works, you know? Right.
0: And that's one of the things I think right now that that's one of the biggest messages I'm trying to get out into the world, which is this, that I think we are in a marathon and many of us started out thinking this was a sprint and none of us trained for this marathon and the finish line is constantly moving. So we're going to have to be pretty gracious and gentle with ourselves. And I think this is, I really do have to say, I think this is especially true for parents who've just been given the task of homeschooling their children. Um, to be gentle with themselves and their kiddos and to remember that what, what is most important, I, I believe in this time, is that people maintain as much as they can a modicum of self-care so that they have a little bit in their cup to offer to their kids. And even, you know, maintaining that loving connection might even be more important than the learning that does or doesn't happen in this time.
1: Yeah. That sounds so right on. I love that because I, I, I'm i so grateful that I do not have to homeschool children. I
0: know. I'm not an educator. I don't, I don't think I would be very good at it. And I think my role as mom would would be harmed as a result of it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a whole different story. And basically, our listeners tend to be 40 plus. So, you know, they're, yeah. we are in that Uh, you know, different realm of people in terms of technology, I am very reliant on it, as I'm sure you are too. I mean, it's how I get the word out about, it's how people learn your message, right? I love, I'm following you on Instagram and I love your posts and I spend way too much, well, I don't, I'm actually busy now, but I could spend way too much time on Instagram because I do find it quite inspiring.
0: Yes, yeah. And that's, again, you know, just making sure that we have lots of balance in the places we get inspired. But you're right, it is easy to sit down and think we're going to spend 10 minutes and then suddenly an hour has gone by. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I don't have that long of an attention span anyway, so never did. It wouldn't be an hour for me. Bye. So tell us a little bit about... What can we do? What are your suggestions for what we can do to get out from under these devices? I mean, I think it is intuitive for many people, but let's hear it from you, a well-known educator and psychologist.
0: I think the first thing that I would say is that we know the research is really clear just as much as the research is clear about how tech can alter our developmental trajectory there's also research that shows that 10 minutes a day of mindfulness meditation or um, I'm even exploring this in terms of boredom you know like a little boredom party uh, 10 minutes a day of that can actually double the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex which is that part of the brain that helps us feel kind of in touch with ourselves and to feel a sense of personal agency. And so 10 minutes of that is, is feel, it feels very difficult to do when you first try it. But once you get into the habit of it, it it's not a big ask. So if maybe I'm suggesting that the first time people pick up their uh, phone to check social media or the first time they feel tempted to log into Pinterest for the day or Netflix or whatever it is, that if they can give 10 minutes just to, okay, here's the first time I'm picking this up. I'm going to turn to my uh, timer, set 10 minutes, and then literally practice this practice of being just with oneself. That can go a long way. Another thing that we can do is just at certain, uh, while we are uh, sheltering in place, to create certain zones in our house where screens don't go. Even just making it as simple as the bathroom or the bedroom, uh, you know, where we just, we are going to a few times a day literally leave our phone or our devices away from us. And during that time, if we can then also add in a few deep breaths, that can be a way of getting back in our skin we can even do a little body scan you know let breathe in the attention and let let this attention float from the top of my head all the way through my body down to my toes is there any place I feel tension Let me do a little bit of stretching that can be two minutes but it can make a huge difference in terms of kind of letting our central nervous system kind of come back to a regulated state before we re-engage with screens so those are a few ideas
1: and I think those are so valid. You know, I have read, I do try my 10 minutes a day. I, I have for many for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, I think now that the weather is getting nicer, my, and I'm always telling people this too, to just take 10 minutes, but to get outside, leave your screen. Yes. outside. That's the best place to do it because you're soaking in some vitamin D with your appropriate sunscreen or whatever, but <laughs> soaking in your vitamin D and I I just feel that's very grounding, you know, no matter what kind of an outdoor, even stepping outside of your front door.
0: I agree. I've been really trying to encourage that as well, that even if it just means literally, like you're saying, one step outside to get fresh air, to get a little bit of sunlight, if it's raining, get the rain on your skin, anything that can be a somatic or kinesthetic experience right now is going to be a really huge boost.
1: Yeah, I think that is, it is such valuable information. And I mean, people listen to it and hopefully more and more such people, such as yourself who are spreading that word of increasing your gray matter. I mean, come on. I don't know exactly. Oh, the prefrontal cortex. You're yes. Yep. You're doubling it. Right. If you take yep. 10 minutes of silence and I think it's hard. And I think what people in my estimation, you don't have to say, think of nothing. It's Okay. I mean, your brain's gonna right. those ninety thousand thoughts a minute
0: or a second, right? <laughs> right. And what I encourage folks to do is to either practice outside of that time some ways of redirecting your attention. So, okay, I see that thing that oh, I forgot to send that email. I see that out there, but I'm gonna draw my attention back to being in this ten minutes. If that's important, it will come back to me. Or to bring a little notepad with you to that moment and just write those things down so that your brain can let them go, so that you can have a little more just. Uh, mindful presence where you are. But yes, you're right. We cannot quiet our minds totally. It's without a lot of practice.
1: No, and I really appreciate what you're saying because I find myself guilty of all of the things that I should not do. You know, I try really hard to not put my earphones in to listen to my calm app or, you know, to because that's a distraction. I'm trying to take my mind away from it says it's a pacifier. So I have to work on not listening because my mind goes a thousand minutes of, you know blah, 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 blah. Yeah. and then in the middle of the night when I wake up it's like oh I need to do this and then I start worrying about the pandemic and blah, 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 and want to be sued and I think it's it's like those pacifiers that drive me nuts in five-year-olds who are still using them
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we all have them I think you're right
1: well I think it's important to to know that, so I think your your meditation that or we don't even have to call it meditation, right ten nope. minutes of nope. nothingness a day, so as we wrap up this conversation, and I could talk to you for hours about this i um let's talk a little bit about how to have a boredom party, yeah, they are That's the right. best we're trying to think of ways to entertain ourselves and each other and I love it. What about a zoom board and <laughs> party? I think
0: it's a great idea. And you know, I keep noticing all these uh, emails that I get and newsletters and in so many of them the the title is, you know, Boredom busters, and I keep thinking, why, why not just embrace the boredom? (laughs) Why not just let you know? Let's try a new thing. We are, we have been overstimulated for a long time, and many of us have actually come to teach our brains and our bodies that stimulation is soothing. You know, one more episode of a show on Netflix or one more level of a game on a video game, when in reality, those things are very stimulating. So, really, all that's necessary for a boredom party is either deciding if you're doing it by yourself or with others, and then gathering people without curating them if you're going to do it with others so you're not like thinking about who will get along with who and who knows who literally we're gonna we're doing this so that we can tackle awkward moments and then coming together without and I always suggest if people are doing a communal boredom party don't add the alcohol until an hour in so that people really do have to kind of struggle with okay here we are what are we gonna do and always every time I've done these always something beautiful comes out of them
1: so do you just not talk? I mean, like, I, I tell me how I would have a boredom party. You just like look at each other.
0: Well, no, or you no, you just like come together without a pre, without a prescribed plan, and without a lot of the props that we use to get us through those early awkwardness moments, like alcohol or food. You know, you just come together and and it's a chat. And now this this would be harder in Zoom. In person, what what happens is that then people somehow come up with something to do as a group. So once people just, you know, people were gathered and everyone's kind of looking at each other and there's, you know, no food to go grab. And, <laughs> and people started talking about, um, Useless skills that they all had. And so then pretty soon everyone was teaching each other their useless skills. Uh, So like, you know, how to flip bottle caps. I happen to know the thriller dance when I was teaching people the thriller (laughs) dance, you know, like, um, and all kinds of just creative and interesting things come out of it. That are just really beautiful. That that don't require all this, you know, Pinterest perfect party planning, or even learning the perfect way of meditating. Just learning to be with yourself. The Dutch call it. They have a word for it called Nixon. N i k s e n, and it just means doing nothing deliciously. So, oh, yeah, Isn't that great? And so, so it's just write it down. Is,
1: Nixon doing nothing yeah. intentionally. Del-
0: deliciously
1: deliciously i love it oh my yeah. god this is so yeah. fun well i certainly encourage everybody listening to have a boredom party with the people you're with although you're probably bored of them anyway so
0: <laughs> so you've got a good start
1: yeah. <laughs> and then there are the uh the people i know who live alone and that's yes that's so sad so have a boredom party with a friend on on zoom or on facetime or whatever
0: Absolutely. but um
1: Thank you so much for your time today. Doreen, it it's I love your message. And thank you. I think one of the things you said is we need more spontaneity in something. Yes.
0: Good. Yes, I I frequently say in my talks that Um, A radical act of health right now would be to go into a restaurant, I I mean, outside of quarantine, (laughs) go into a restaurant that just smells good and looks good without reading five or six Yelp reviews, you know, that we all need to risk food poisoning once in a while just to remind ourselves that (laughs) spontaneity sometimes works out quite beautifully.
1: (laughs) I think we can be spontaneous in our walks outside, in our conversations. Yes. You know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We can just have
1: to practice and being still. So I appreciate your message and I hope every person listening takes ten minutes a day. Hey, who doesn't especially as we age, we would like to increase double the matter in our prefrontal cortex.
0: Amen. Yes, we would.
1: (laughs) Very important. Well, thank you, Doreen. And if people would like your your tell them your book and your website, although we'll put it in our notes Yeah, the
0: website is Doreen dm.com d-o-r-e-e-n-d-m.com and everything is there including the book
1: yeah I love it device balancing life and technology in a digital world and boy do we need that now more than yes ever. we do
0: thank oh, you thank
1: you so much Doreen it has been a pleasure and I have to go be bored now okay
0: yes please do <laughs> <laughs>